Today I'm walking around at the World Money Show in Toronto, just walking across the exhibit floor at the Metro Toronto Convention Center. Lots of people here, lots of people all around me. A big conference. It's dedicated to the concept of empowering the individual who already has a passion for investing and trading with the tools and information that they need. And yet, as I talk to people here today, I really get the sense that most people believe the investment world isn't exactly fair. In fact, it's divided into a them and an us. Them would be the people who have better information and better contacts. They know what's going to happen before we do, and they are able to parlay that knowledge into actual profit. You know, they'd be referred to by many people as the smart money. Everyone else, by implication, we'd be the dumb money, the outsiders, the non-professionals. So to try and capture what the smart money does has been this entire industry created around trying to follow their actions. You know what I mean? People really believe if I could only do what they're doing, I'd be as rich as they are. But is that actually true? I'm not sure the smart money is really as smart as most people think it is. So today on the Smart Money Art Podcast, we're going to hang out here at the World Money Show and we're going to try and figure out if our namesake is actually an effective way of building wealth for the people that are around me today. What can money be used for? Is money anyway? We'll gladly help you with any of your financial problems. Bring them here to me. I'm Randy Cass, and this is the Smart Money, where we take everyday beliefs about money and see if they really do make sense. My goal is to help you separate the financial facts from the wishful thinking, and in the end, make you smarter about your money. This podcast is produced by my company, Nestwell. You won't be surprised to hear that it follows my philosophy about personal finance and aims to give the ordinary investor the kind of tools and advice that really used to be the exclusive domain of the very wealthy. If you're in Canada, check us out at nestwealth.com and mention the promo code PODCAST to get three months of wealth management for free. So, is there even such a thing as smart money? And if there is, what exactly does smart money mean? Well, I decided to ask around on the floor of the World Money Show in Toronto. If I say the phrase smart money, the smart money, what does that mean to you? Uh, Thinking carefully before investing. Money that is working for you. And to you? Patient money. Someone looking for the proper investment at the right time to invest. When I say the phrase the smart money, what does that mean to you? Uh, first thing I would thought of it would be institution uh, with buying and selling stuff. So that would be the smart money since they have more money. I guess they're more educated. A lot of uh, analysts uh, following different stocks. So that would be the, mo- the I'd say smart money. The smart money is it's a good question. I don't know. I suppose smart money is um, investing in it properly. What about you? What is the phrase the smart money when it comes to investing mean? It, it sounds like the head of the game. Like they have some uh, inside knowledge and that they are the, uh, and they're leading, the, they're, they're leading where money will be going to. So that's what people today think of when they hear the phrase smart money. But where does the notion of smart money even come from? Today, we associate smart money with the world of finance, but it had a very different meaning back in the 1700s. It actually used to refer to the money paid to sailors, soldiers, workers who had been disabled while on the job. 
in the 17 and 1800s, smart money was used to describe money paid to obtain the discharge of a recruit or money paid to escape some unpleasant situation. And more recently in legal circles, people talk about smart money when damages are, quote, in excess of injury done. That's not the only places where you can find the term smart money, though. It also exists in the world of sports and betting, especially in horse racing. Smart money's the insiders or the betters in the know, the ones you see with the programs rolled up sitting by the rail. Though even at the track, there's a lot of debate about whether the smart money really does have an advantage. Which finally brings us to the world of finance and investments. It's here where the smart money is seen as having better access to information, better research, better everything. It's people on the inside of the industry, those who spend their lives investigating and tracking stocks in the markets, the hedge fund managers, the private equity honchos, the ones you read about on the front page of the newspaper, the leveraged buyout kings. But are there really two types of investors? Are there really a them and an us? Is it really that simple? Peter Hodson is the CEO of 5i Research. That's an independent research network. And prior to starting 5i, he was chairman of Sprott Asset Management, a very well-known asset management firm up in Canada. I caught up with Peter on the floor of the World Money Show in Toronto, and I started by asking him what the term smart money means to him. Uh, personally, to me, it means someone who's actually done more work than the average investor. And when I was a money manager, we had access to information that um, the individual just did not get. And it wasn't, it wasn't non-public information, but we got to meet management teams. We could look them in the eye. And if a management team sort of promised us one thing three months ago and came back into our office and they didn't deliver... You can look them in the eye and say, you know, dude, what, what, what went wrong there? Whereas the individual, all they see is a disappointing result. When you look at Michael Lewis's book, Flash Boys, and see that he says those that have the advantage or would be called smart money today are really those that can spend the most money on the technology and the infrastructure and co-locate next to the exchanges. Does that change the notion of what smart money means today? I think you have to split it into two categories. So absolutely, those that can react faster on high-frequency trading and those that are closer location and their little fiber optics work better, they have a huge advantage over individuals in terms of trading. So absolutely, there's if you spend more money on technology, you can make more money in a trading environment. But I really don't think um, that's the best definition of smart money because individual trading and short-term trading does not change a company's fundamentals. And so those that drill down and look at the notes of, a, of an annual report and drill down and find out which subsidiary of a company is doing better and whose customers are buying more from which companies, they will, they will win out in the long term. Certainly the short-term trader guys, if technology rules that space, but they will not make as much money over a 10 or 15 year career like Warren Buffett who goes down and decides that this company is worth $100 and he can buy it at 20 what does that imply for the retail investor trying to go up against the smart money in the fundamental method or the smart money in the technology method? So the first thing I would suggest is, as an individual, do not trade. You've, you're already disadvantaged by far. So, um, but you know, at our company, we say don't trade anyway. We think it's a, a horrible thing to do is to trade in and out of the market. Um, we're looking for companies that you can buy at a dollar and sell at $100. And you're never going to do that 
if you trade it at $2 and then try and buy it back because it never goes back down. So the first thing is just remember the fundamentals. You're investing, you're not a trader. You are not a big player, you don't have that technology. Don't even bother to try on the trading side. On the other side, it does become difficult because you're not meeting with management, you don't have the resources, you don't have the data feeds, but now with public company disclosure, everything is out there for you to look at. All you have to do is pull it off the internet and read it. It's not that you're seriously disadvantaged. You do have to put in the time and you do have to put in the work. You can't just get a good tip from your dentist and go willy-nilly go buying that stock. You have to do the research. Final question then, based on everything we've just talked about. Is this market a two-tier market or is it fair to the retail investor? I think if you are a long-term investor, you're not significantly disadvantaged. If you have a time frame of less than five years, then you probably are. And in that shorter time horizon, is it those with the best technology that are taking money from those that aren't willing to wait things out? Yes, it is. Basically, it's, it's almost like a scalping game. The ones that have the information and the technology are scalping quarters, nickels, and dollars from the ones that are doing the short-term trading without the best information. Thanks for your time today. Pleasure. So are there two types of investors? Yes, there absolutely is. They have better equipment, they have smarter people, they have more time, they have more resources to spend on simply getting to the bottom of things. But maybe the more important question is, do all those advantages necessarily lead to better investment returns? There's an interesting paper that was written by two academics, Andrea Frazzini from the Chicago Graduate School of Business and Owen Lamont from the Yale School of Management. They took some time and looked at U.S. mutual funds over a span of more than 20 years between 1980 and 2003. What they observed was that most mutual fund investors end up being short-term return chasers. That is, in plain terms, they often move money from funds that have done poorly with low recent returns to funds that have been posting outstanding recent returns or those that would be described as five-star funds. Now, that in itself is probably not surprising. We all might be guilty of having chased returns in our time. Humans easily succumb to the herd mentality. But what was surprising was the impact that behavior had on fund managers themselves, the so-called smart money. You see, Frazzini and Lamont concluded that in most cases, funds that were doing extremely well were doing it because of one good bet, one hot stock. And because they suddenly had strong short-term results, more investments flowed in. And when the more investments flowed in, it meant that they had to put more money to work. So what did they usually do with all that money? Well, it often got invested in the exact same single idea that was fueling their better-than-normal performance. And therein lies the big problem. In case after case, as more cash was being invested in stocks that had already done well or that were near their peak instead of the stocks that hadn't had great near-term performance, the fund managers started missing out on buying the stocks that had significantly greater long-term growth potential. Well, you can probably see the issue by now. In this case, the so-called smart money had all the research, had all the data, even had all the money but wasn't making the best investment decisions. They were actually a victim of their own success. But one study doesn't make things true all the time, and just because you call something smart doesn't necessarily mean that it is. 
So we turn to Rob Carrick, one of Canada's best-known personal finance columnists. He's a columnist for The Globe and Mail, has covered Bay Street for the Canadian press, and I met up with him as well at the World Money Show in Toronto and began by asking him if smart money today is different than smart money was 20 years ago. I don't really think so because you have to think, if we go two, three, four decades ago, think about how information was available. Like we didn't, the, the retail investor knew nothing about what was going on in the stock market. There was no way to find out what stock prices were during, during the day, for example. I mean, you had to wait for the newspapers to publish the stock charts the next day. So I think there's always been a disparity between, you know, the most active institutional investors and the average retail investor. It's just different now. It's much more technology-based, but there's always been a gap, and I don't think that's anything new. The technology, does that mean that that it's more expensive to be smart money now, that there's an arms race that's going on? To oh, I have... definitely think there's an arms race. I think it's all, you know, they're, they're gathering in every last edge they can find, you know, through computers and algorithms. And, uh, um, you know, it's stuff that the average investor just simply cannot, uh, cannot exploit. So what does this all mean for the retail investor? Have we concluded that while they shouldn't get discouraged that this market does operate on two different levels? Well, one thing is I'm, I'm getting the sense that retail investors are very discouraged. There was a BlackRock survey done very recently and it showed, I was a bit staggered by how, um, by the high levels of anxiety and uncertainty and fear and mistrust that investors were showing, okay? So I think, and it's shown in the very, very high cash levels right now. Um, but I think people are doing themselves a disservice by being so mistrustful of the markets. I still think a long-term index-based investing plan can make you good money and get you where you need to go. It's an interesting point, though, because you might be discouraged because you feel like there is an advantage that exists. but. Has that advantage ever really played out for the large institutions in better performance? Ah, very, very good question. I think the there's this aura around smart money that it is making a killing out there and that the rest of the suckers are, are miles behind. But I think smart money is, you know, I think some of the smart money is doing extremely well, but I think we would be... Uh, giving them too much credit if we assume they were all geniuses. A lot of this stuff is, gen a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing. Thanks. You're welcome. So there you go. Even with all those advantages, there is limited, if any, evidence to show that the so-called smart money does better than the average investor who just holds a passive fund. A perfect example is the educational endowments in the United States. There are over $500 billion of funds being managed. Billion with a B, that's half a trillion dollars of funds being managed by endowments in the states, and those endowments use investment committees full of sophisticated investors. This is the definition of smart money. And yet a study by the University of California, Davis, found that over a period of more than 20 years, the average endowment earned a return that was almost exactly the same as the benchmark for the same period. No advantage for being smart money. And a recent investigation by the New York Times found that most U.S. pension funds don't fare much better. But what about the guys we're always hearing about? Astonishing returns in very short periods of time. Well, truthfully, there is one type of smart money that can outperform, but it's usually because they got smart doing something they shouldn't have. Think about insider trading, which is trading of stocks or securities by people with access to non-public information about a company. Yes, they're smarter than us. Yes, they have more information than us, but it is absolutely 100% illegal and not the way that you should be profiting in the market. So, the smart money verdict on smart money? 
Well, a two-tier market does exist. And in the short term, if your goal is to be better than those that are out there in the short term, you will lose. The technology and research gives those that have it an edge. But you shouldn't be playing for the short term. As Peter Hodson said earlier, be an investor, not a trader. And if you're an investor, there's not a whole lot of evidence that the smart money actually has an edge on you in the long term. Other than that, don't follow anyone. Invest in the whole market. Stick to the playground if you want to play follow the leader, because there's no evidence that following smart money in the markets actually does any better for you. That's it for this episode of The Smart Money. I'll be back next time to take another common piece of financial advice, hold it up to the light, test it out, determine if it's financial fact or fiction. When I'm not hosting this show, I'm the founder of Nest Wealth. We're a company that offers personalized wealth management with transparent reporting and dramatically lower fees. We do help you rescue your wealth. We help you be nice to your money. We learn about you. We create your plan. We minimize your fees and we keep you on track. If you're in Canada, please visit nestwealth.com to get some more information. And in the meantime, I'm Randy Cass. I'll see you next time.